Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudnay are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm going to be your host today, Treg Wilson. I'm joined with Matt, the most handsome man on radio, Smith. Good evening. <laughs> that's that's what's sexy. Good evening, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, tonight, we don't have Blaine Popvin. Uh, he's at the cottage with his family, enjoying a nice vacation, and he has no access to a computer or anything. And, uh, you know, no one wants to hear him anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So he did the sit rep and, you know, all that kind of jazz. He's got a well-deserved vacation. Yeah, sure. Okay. He doesn't do much at work, so I, I don't <laughs> see what the, the whole... He's a P1. Come on. He's a warrant. He doesn't do anything. You know. Uh, so how's things been, Matt? You've been busy working, I hear? That's all I've been doing. You called in on your day be, off? That seems to be life. I, I was, yeah. Seems uh, seems that's all I do. I thought I was, uh, I thought I was getting called in to be promoted, but uh, apparently the paperwork's still in the orderly room, so... Well, well, that's uh, good. Hopefully, when uh, hopefully when I get back from my vacation, I'll get promoted as well. And then you'll be oh no, you still won't be the same rank as uh, Blaine and I. So yeah. no, you're, yeah, you're still. You're well, still... I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little younger. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche, touche, touche. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so okay, so I just want to break the record straight that I'm not building a dungeon in my basement. Um, I just want to throw that out there as it was. Uh, said last week when I wasn't on the show that I was busy <laughs> building a dungeon. Um, it's not a dungeon. It's two bedrooms, a bathroom, and a rec room. Uh, I'm not a carpenter or anything. I'm not Jesus. I look like him, and I might play him on TV, but I'm not Jesus. Um, but I'm, I'm not doing too bad, I don't think. I'm, I'm getting the walls up. The studs are 16 inches apart, so things are going right. The, my chip rocks on my daughter's room, and I'm just waiting for the plumbers to come tomorrow. So awesome! Throw a big TV down there, and then you can. Uh, I'm thinking watch of a projector. Watch all the. I'm thinking of projector. Watch all the games you want. I'm thinking of getting one of those projector screens with a projector. That is an idea. That's what I'm thinking about because I get them in high definition. I guess you can get them 4K now and everything. It's, anyway, something to look at. 
Yeah. Ask, ask the ask the wife. See if she'll see if she'll. Well, allow I brought it up to her because I told her I wanted to buy a 125 inch television. And the look for the projector <laughs> was a lot more inviting than the look for the 125. Yeah, I would think television. so. So I'd say so. We'll go with we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Uh, so let's uh, talk. Uh, I mean, if you want to, it's pretty embarrassing. Let's talk the Toronto Montreal game. Uh, what is what's your takeaways from the uh, yeah the exhibition game that uh, yeah let's what's your what's your takeaways there Matt <laughs> I think uh, I think both teams looked uh, really sloppy and I think um, it it showed that they hadn't been playing hockey in quite a while and um, obviously the Canadians power play we've been told that they've been doing work on it it looked atrocious they gave up multiple shorthanded goals. They didn't have any uh, solid chances. They're still looking just to get it to Shea Weber for that bomb from the point. And it's it's predictable. You're not going to be able to do that against Pittsburgh, who's got a much deeper lineup. And it's going to come back and bite them. If uh, their special teams can't stop pucks from going in the net and putting pucks in the net when they have the opportunity they may as well just take a penalty right away and play four on four. Um, I, I, I think um, some players looked very solid, like they haven't haven't missed a beat. Um, for me, I, a standout guy was um, Nick Suzuki. I think he uh, I think he I think he looked great, made a incredible pass to Tatar. Um, I think Byron looked good. Uh, Tatar looked good. And uh, so did uh, so did Cuck and Yemi. We also saw some flashes from Drouin. Um, I wasn't the one thing that I was critical of, and I'm still going to be critical of it. And I know we're going to talk about it um, later on, more than likely, is the fact that Max Domi is playing with Jordan Wheel and Dale Weiss. Weiss and Wheel, they can uh, they can uh, they can produce, they can play but they're not guys that you play with a guy that should be in the top six. And if you need to put Domi on the wing to put him in the top six, that's what you're going to have to do. I totally agree. Uh, my biggest criticism. Now, my three stars, I put this on Twitter, were uh, Kakanyemi, first star, Byron, second star, Suzuki, third star. Um, I thought Kakanyemi had a great game. Uh, the goal that Byron scored was 90% due to Kotkaniemi keeping the play, uh, saving the play at the at the uh, blue line, and then making a, a great pass uh, to... Uh, who got the, the first assist on that? Um, uh, anyway, whoever he... Uh, Lekkonen, I think. Anyway, so I just thought Kotkaniemi had a great... Now, Kotkaniemi, you could tell, still doesn't have the upper body strength uh, that he needs, because he did get pushed off the puck uh, a little bit, but his skating is stronger. I don't know if he was faster, but he was skating was stronger. Um, and he looked good. Suzuki looked really good. I thought Druin looked good at the start. And as the game went on, it seemed like he became disinterested in the game. I don't know if it was just me, but I think he had a good start to his game. And then he just kind of disappeared. As I'd agree with on. you on Drouin because we've yeah. seen in the past, if he doesn't get in early, then you don't see him yeah. at all. Uh, the power play, the penalty kill, I'm going to start with penalty kill. I thought the penalty kill was great. I thought the, I mean, there was a few cross-ice passes, but nothing Carey Price couldn't handle. 
during the penalty kill. Uh, Toronto was over three, over four, something like that. But I, I thought Montreal's uh, penalty kill looked very good. Um, their power play, however, was just atrocious. This yeah. I don't get. This whole, I'm going to skate it up to the red line and then drop pass it to the guy behind me so he can try to get through the defenders that I just got through. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that, just fucking go back to the dump and chase. Or like just, we talked about it. We talked about it for years. Get rid of the dump yeah. and chase. Get rid of the dump and chase. But hell, the dump and chase at this point, especially the players that you're putting on the power play, you know, let let somebody like wheel chase the puck who whatever it's it's um it's a lot better than this whole drop pass thing we saw it on and 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 i i tweeted out about the whole drop pass thing i said keep that shit to practice don't do it in a fucking game yeah you know we saw it from tatar and it led to a goal against well i mean and tatar is a much smarter player than that now uh in the second half i i have an interview with mark dumont of the montreal canadians from the athletic and we talk about that he agrees like it's not a it's kind of what Montreal, he's mentioned it as it's kind of what Montreal's change to the power play was to give it a different look, but it, it's kind of senseless. Like, yeah, you it just still doesn't a, work. If you're going to do that, at least get into the blue line and then drop it back. Yeah. You know, and have somebody in position to get to, that puck. To get that puck and take the shot. What they have to do is use Weber more of not as the shooter, but as the decoy and give it to someone like Suzuki or Kotiyami has a great shot. He does. Just someone like him on the on the right. circle or something like. Right. So does Suzuki. So right. does Tatar, etc. You can wheel. You can use Shea Weber, and everybody knows that when he starts to wheel down and starts to get lower towards the front of the net, that's when players are going to start to cheat and go towards him. I said, like, hats off to anybody that's going to try to get in front of that shot. However. If you can just use him to wheel down on that side and fake that he's that the pass is going to go to him, and either put it on net yourself or get it to somebody else, you're more than likely going to take one of those defenders out of the position exactly and have a better opportunity. But every time, let's give it to let's give it to Weber. Let's give it to Weber. When Petrie's on, it's the same damn thing, yeah. and they both have a hell of a shot. But it's predictable. You know who the trigger guys are. So when somebody like Suzuki makes a shot or somebody like Hakaniemi takes a shot, et cetera, it kind of throws it kind of throws off uh, the 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 opposing team. It kind of throws off the fans too because we're like we're not used to it. We're used to seeing that booming shot defender from take the shot yeah. and you know Gallagher banging for it in front. That's now, what we're used to seeing. I think, and I'm just going to play a little devil's advocate here. I think the idea is not to give it to Weber. I think because I mean Montreal's not stupid. Kirk Muller's not an idiot. He's been around long enough. But I think what happens is, is they have such a hard time getting the puck in the zone. Yeah. That once they get it in there, they're like, "Well, I might as well just give it to Weber." Yeah. Like no, every, it's every, true. Oh, everyone's covered. I might as well just give it to Weber and hopefully he can slap it in. It's true. Right? Yeah. And instead yeah. of getting it in, setting up, right, and then moving the puck around, you have two minutes. Yeah. Use the two minutes. You don't need to score a goal in the first twenty seconds of a power play. No. Use the first 30, 35 seconds to set up in the zone, right? Get the guys to where you want them and start moving around. Yeah. The, and the and the and the difficult thing is is the setup and maintain or first of all getting possession because we've seen a lot of times that they will lose that initial face off. They can't get it'll past get the dumped. blue line. They can't get in the blue yeah, line. Yeah, it'll it, it'll it'll get dumped 
and then they've got to be able to get over the blue line however they think that they can do it. I mean, and usually, usually it takes a full minute until they're actually set up. And then when they get set up, they try to rush the play. Like, yeah, get your set first up. unit. Your first unit's yeah. already tired. Tired, yeah. and they try to rush the play and get it and get a get a shot off so they can get a change. Absolutely. I mean, and I think that's what happens. They get in, and then they're looking like, oh my god, it took us all this long to get in. I'm tired. Where's Weber? Let him take a shot, and then we can get a change and see what what see what we can do. And yeah. it's so glaringly obvious. That everyone, even the fans, are like, this is not going to... As soon as they start to do their enter, everyone, this isn't going to work. And how is it they can't... They Five on five, they can enter zone no problem, but they can't five on four. There's obviously yeah. somebody open. Yeah, you, you'd like to hope so, yeah. <laughs> so how are you not getting in the zone? Because what happened is Montreal's doing the same thing. They got two guys skating up to the blue line, one guy with the puck, a third guy, one guy back. They're going to skate up. And then the defenders are just going to say, well, let's line our four guys up at the blue line because he's going to drop it to that guy that's 50 feet behind him, right? Yeah. And we'll just line way up too, here. Let everybody, way too predictable. Yeah, let everybody skate in except that guy, and then we'll just take the puck from that guy. And that's exactly yeah. how the zone entry goes. Yeah. And So, <laughs> go ahead. I, no, I was just going to say, and that's so predictable. Like, take it in as if you would take it in for a five-on-five, five, even if you have to dump it in. Right. Yeah. Even if you have to dump it in, take it in as if it was five on five, get the puck back or take the puck in and set up, take it to the corner, do whatever you got to do. Because if you take it to the corner, the defender's going to leave you there. He's not going to chase you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Take it to the corner, wait for everyone to set up and then come out and start moving the puck around. Don't stand there. Don't say, all right, this is my spot. I'm staying there because then all you're doing is playing pass. All you're doing is passing around a house and. The defenders are like, okay, whatever, right? Absolutely. But start moving. Start circling. Start, I mean, Montreal, if you're looking for a power play coach, uh, give me a call. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give Mark, Mark Dumont has my number. Uh, talk to him, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Perfect. <laughs> so moving on from Toronto, um, let's jump into Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. What are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Well, we had a question from a fan. The one question we got when I asked if anyone had questions. Um is do you think Montreal will win Game One? Uh, I don't. I don't think they will. I think they'll win a game or maybe. T- I think they'll win at least one game, but I don't think they'll win game the first game. I, even though Pittsburgh didn't look good in their game against Philly either. No, they didn't. Uh, but just the depth is just too high. Uh, Pittsburgh's depth is just too good, and Montreal does not have a one-two punch to hold back Malkin and Crosby. Um, I mean, we can talk about the. I know you. I'll, I'll leave it to you about the line combinations and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm not. I'm not overly thrilled about. I'm thrilled hockey's back. I'm thrilled to watch Montreal. I'm not thrilled about this series. I'm just not. No, I can't. I can't say that I really am either. And as you know, it's well said what you just said. Um, I'm excited as well, but um, it's different. And we all we know it's different. The players know it's different. Um, Yes, at the end of the day, it's going to still mean the same thing. We're still going to see somebody raise the Stanley Cup, you know, socially distance parade, et cetera. But um, it's, it doesn't feel the same. Like, you know, you don't go to work when it's, you know, 35, 40 degrees and then come home and watch hockey. It just it really feels weird. Um, I'm going to jump right in and say I don't expect them to win the first game. And this is the reason why. We saw a lot of holes in their game that were exploited during the uh, during the Toronto exhibition game. 
their power play looked like shit. They haven't made any changes to it, and they haven't made any changes to the lineup. My biggest... They've... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. no, My biggest thing about the lineup is Max Domi. We alluded yeah. to it in the Toronto game. He is wasted on the fourth line as a center. Yeah, he's just 100%. Wasted. And 100%. And, and I know they're calling it... They're not calling it a fourth line. He, However... He did have know, the like, second most time on ice in the Toronto game. He did. He but, did. But there was six power plays. So That's right. That's right. So, but... I know they're not calling fourth line. They're saying, oh, all their lines are running through. I don't care. Julian ran his lines all year, and the fourth line averaged 13 minutes. Yep. Or less. Well, I'll say, the, well, I'll say this, and this is, a, this is a stat from that game. The combination of Domi, Wheel, and Weiss combined for one shot in that game, and it was Weiss that took it. And the issue with that is Weiss had two open nets from great passes from Max Domi, and he missed them yeah, both. that's right. One, he actually blocked with his own stick because he got it, tapped yeah. it off his stick, went to grab it again, and or shot over the puck or something, and it hit his own stick and went into the corner. Um, nothing. That's, I'm not taking anything away from Wheel and Weiss. Wheel and Weiss are exactly where they're supposed to be on the fourth line. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. However, you can't have a talented guy like Domi playing center to them, no. making all these plays or trying to trying to force the offense to two guys who cannot are not up to his talent. Uh, if you have a fourth line center there, no problems at all, no issue, right? Because everyone's pretty much on the same level talent level uh, level of, of talent. But you put Domi in there and Domi. Domi needs to play with like Druin and Suzuki, or I mean, I know that at be, least that'd be a terrible defensive line. But put you him could with even Kuk and Yemi. Exactly. Move Lekkinen or Byron down to the fourth line. Put yeah. Wheel at center, or even put Evans in. Put Jake Evans in, and take yeah. out Wheel or Weiss. I can't see like I I would like to see it. I just can't see. Uh, I can't see Julian doing it. I can't see him Julian do it because he likes his veteran guys. Yeah. So I I can't see him making any changes to, for the first game. But um, I, I'm 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 with you. I think a fourth line with Wheel at the center, with uh, I would put Lekkinen down there myself, with Weiss, and Kakiemi um, with Domi and Byron. I would actually put I would actually take Armia and put him with Kakiemi and Byron. Uh, you and see, I, and I and I would move Domi up. I would agree and, with that. The problem is, is you have Suzuki, Domi, and Druin playing against the Malkin line. They can't play defense. Suzuki's the only guy out there who kind of has a 200-foot game. That's true. So, so that's why... Arabia is probably a smart... Yeah, like a smart either move yeah. Drew into the third line or move Domi to the third line, but you can't... Yeah. You can't... I mean, you can and take the risk because, I mean, it'll be a pretty good offensive line. Don't get me wrong. It would be. Uh, but I, I'm just afraid... If I did that, I'd make that the third line. How does that sound? If I put that line together... I would match them up with the third line instead of the second line. Yeah, but then you'd have but then you'd have Kakaniemi playing against Malkin, and that would not work. Uh, Kakaniemi is a good defended defensive player. He I, is. I, I just, just I can't see him. I I can't see him matching up against Malkin, especially since he just came back from the AHL and came back from an injury. I, I don't see. To be honest, I don't see Suzuki matching up against Malkin. To be honest with you, but I can't see it happening really well either. But so, I think he's got a better shot. He does. You're you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I said before. Kakiemi looked really good. He looked stronger on his skates. 
I, I think he was a bit faster, but I mean that's debatable. Um, but he was pushed off the puck an awful lot. So okay. So speaking of the uh, the pairings, what about like on defense? What did you What do you think about the defense? Would you make any changes right now? I would. You know what? I would go with Jolson on the on the uh, fourth line instead of uh, Ouellette or Mete. I thought Ouellette had a better game than Mete did against Toronto on that, but I thought that third pairing was terrible. It was. It was. It was bad. There was some glaring holes um, when it was either Ouellette, Flurry, Ouellette, Mete, Mete, Flurry. It just seemed that any time they were on the ice, there was something wrong. Yeah, and uh, out of the three, what of I them, liked. I thought Ouellette played the best. I think he did too. Um, he was physical, yeah. which is something that they need. And speaking of physicality, if you guys haven't seen the video of Romanov at practice, you should definitely head over to the Habs Twitter yeah, and check that he, out. Yeah, and if you're wondering who he hit, it was Kale Fleury, just so you know. I figured, hey, knocked him. I, I figured that out. <laughs> they knocked him on his ass. Oh, he did so, you know, it would be fantastic to be able to see him in the series because I would put him in with, you know, player X, it doesn't really matter who I'd rather have him in the lineup than some of the guys that we saw on the ice on, uh, on, on, uh, during the exhibition game. So like, yeah. So going back to it against Pittsburgh, I think I would put Juleson or Foley in there. Like a right. I think the problem was is Olette and Mete when they were playing on the right side, didn't gel on the right side. I don't think Mete can play right side. I think he can play no. left side. He can't play right. Olette was okay. Cause I think he's done it before. Uh, Flurry, uh, he just didn't look good. I, I'm sorry for the limited amount of time he got. He just didn't. He yeah, didn't only played just under me. just under eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't like. I didn't even realize he played. Sometimes you know, oh, yeah. it's Flurry. Oh, okay. Like there was no yeah. hits. There was no. Ouellette was the only guy I think that threw a hit for that third pair. I like Kulak with Petrie, but I'm a little bit of a Kulak fan. Uh, I think he plays well with Petrie. Um, I actually talked about this with Mark Dumont in the second half. Uh, and, of course, Sherratt Weber is going to stay Sherratt. Although Sherratt Weber looked pretty – Weber looked slow. I'm sorry, but – Well, he played a hell of a lot more than anybody else. Yeah, but he looked I, – I don't – I was not impressed with Weber's play in the Toronto game. Sorry, but I wasn't. Still. I, I, I'm going to say Still, it. after – People know, can get defend, mad at me. I'll defend it a little bit. You know, he hasn't played now since March. True, true. And – they did. You could tell they didn't trust the other parents. I think uh, he'll do better against Pittsburgh when it counts. Don't get me wrong. I think he uh, will too. But I just and I don't find Carey Price played all that great against Toronto either. It didn't even look like he was really into the game. Yeah, he made Shea it. Weber. I'll, I'll, I'll throw one stat out there. Shea Weber played twenty four minutes and twenty seconds during that game, and Mete played ten fifty nine. Yeah. And these guys used to play together on the same line. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, Mete's not a Mete's Mete's not a top four defender. And I agree. To be honest, I mean, I agree. He's the not. The problem is, is you got rid of Scandella, and uh, with Scandella there, I'd be a little bit more okay. I mean, because Montreal's defense when Scandella got there went from twenty eighth in the league to or something twenty something in the league to they they were mid league for defense. Like they were mid yeah. by the end of the year, they were ninth after Christmas. Christmas we brought this up on yeah. another show. From the, from we brought this up on another show. Yeah. If the Canadians, and, and you know what, I know people are going to say, they're going to be like, well, these guys are going to make it. They're not going to score goals for you and everything. Montreal wasn't going to make it anyway. But you look at the plans right now. If Montreal had the players that they had then, if they had Cousins, Kovalchuk, Thompson, and Scandella, 
yes, they might not be putting the puck in the net as much, but they're going to be preventing it. That's right. I mean, and then you'd have a, a strong center uh, on the fourth line playing with Cousins and uh, Wheel or Weiss, whoever you want to yeah. throw in there. You'd have one, two, three, four, five top four defensemen. Yep. You could say. Because Scandella would be playing with Petrie, so now you have Kulak and whoever you want to put with Kulak on the third line. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so you just improved your defense. And you have Kovalchuk and both Kovalchuk and Domi playing in the top six. So yeah. now you have Domi probably centering the third line. Kakiemi probably won't play, which is okay, right? I'm okay with that. Um, Kakiemi probably won't play. Domi's on the third line. You got Kovalchuk playing with Suzuki and Druin. And you got uh, Domi playing with Armia and Byron, or Lekkinen, yeah. or whoever you want to throw in there. So, and then then you have Thompson with Lekkinen and or Lekkinen or Byron and uh, Cousins. So you yeah. you have an improved team, and you have it the same team that went one one and one against Pittsburgh in the regular season. Yeah. So. I but, can't. I just. I I can't see them doing much against Pittsburgh. I and and you know what? Like I'm not a. I'm not a Crosby fan. I never have been. I never will be. Um, when he scored the golden goal, I was happy. But I, I, I still remember I shook my head and I said, fuck. I said, now that's all we're going to hear about. <laughs> you know, I, I really, myself, I wanted somebody else to score that goal. And I still think that way today. Um, I just, I can't see them doing very much. Like Montreal's got the, uh, they'll have the edge when it comes to goaltending. It depends. But, uh, that depends on if they go with Murray or Jerry. Jerry's a good freaking Tristan. Jerry's a good goaltender. He he is, but like, I I I would still get. I'm still going to give the nod to Price on it. Um, it's going to really come down to can Montreal defend? Can they uh, can they stop? Uh, can they stop the power play? Can they can they stop the top six and um, take advantage of the bottom six? The answer is no. Right. If they can't, if they can't do that, if they, you know, if they fall behind in a game, are they just gonna, you know, sit on their tails? Or are they gonna, are they gonna push? Well, they kind of can't. You only got three chances. That's right. Um, I think Price could steal a game for them. I hundred percent. I, I, I think Price could steal the series for them. I just don't think it'll happen. I mean, I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm, not, I'm just trying to be realistic. Uh, Price stood on his head the last time they played against the Rangers, and they still didn't win. So. You know, like a lot of people will go out there and say, well, Price's playoffs numbers aren't great. Price's playoff numbers in the last four since 2014 run have been excellent, except for the one season in 2015 or 16. Um, yeah. Other than that, he's never had a goal, uh, save percentage below 913. So, you know, 936, 920 something, and 933, I think, were his, in an 894 in there. That's his last one, two, three, four. That's his last four playoffs. So if you think that's terrible, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, if the team yeah. can't score, if Price doesn't get injured in 2014, Montreal Canes are in the Stanley Cup final. Whether they win or not, I'm not, I'm, I can't yeah, More than likely. Right, you know what I mean? But they're in the Stanley yeah. Cup final. They'll, they yeah. would have beat New York. So. If uh, if they go in the if they go into the series with this and show the uh, same holes they did against Toronto in the exhibition game, they'll be they'll be done in three games. Yeah, I mean if you look at Sportsnet, every single one of them predicted Montreal to lose in three to four games. I think a couple of them had five, but yeah, I if I'm making a prediction now, I say it's Pittsburgh in four. Based, I'd say the same thing based on what I, I saw in the, the exhibition game, based yeah. on how I look at the roster and if they don't change up their lines. 
And it, yeah. and it, I, I, I'd say the same. I'm really hoping that uh, if they do lose that first game, we're and you know you see the holes in the game and you see what lines click and what lines don't. We're gonna really know what Julian thinks of this team or how he puts this team together based on the line he comes back from for game two. Personally, I don't think he's going to change it. I, You know what? And he probably won't. Julian's a stickler for this is my system. They play the system, it'll work. If they don't play the system, it won't. And I just don't see how you have a guy like Domi, and we've already brought line. it up on you he's know wasted. the quote-unquote fourth line, played the second amount of time during the game, didn't get a shot. Even if you want to not call it the fourth line, it's who he's playing with. It doesn't matter. You can call it the first line if you yeah. want. Absolutely. But he's playing with Wheel and Weiss, and they do not keep up to his talent. I'm sorry, nope. they don't. He nope. has to play with someone like uh, Druin. Or, uh, I mean, when when Druin was hot at the first of the year, so was Domi, and they played together. And yep. you need the, put them back together. Screw it. Make your Suzuki, Domi, Druin line. Who cares? Especially if you lose the first game or two. Yep. Say, you know, fuck it. Put them together. Here you go. Go out and score. If you let, you know... Carry these when these guys are on the ice, you better be sharp, right? Put Weber and Sherrod on with them every time they're on. Make sure Schreier, uh, Weber and Sherrod are on the ice, they're our best defenders. Put them on the ice as long as they're on, and then Suzuki got a little help back there. Yeah, you know, I mean, and or just look at Domi and Druin. This is your line, you have to be responsible defensively. I don't give a shit, right? Yeah, and that's what you got to do, or. I think the first game will tell us exactly whether or not Montreal is going to be in this series or not. Yeah. We might know that after the first period. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And who knows? It's something, it's, it's something to look forward to, you know, uh, come Saturday. I know I'm looking forward to, to watching and I'm looking forward to seeing how the team's going to look and maybe if they've learned anything from that exhibition game. I've, I'm just, uh, I'm just hoping for, uh, I'm hoping for at least a win. I'd like a win. I, yeah, I would like the first game to be a win, just so I can be, yeah, get my hopes up. And just uh, Well, you know, if they do win that first game, maybe they can take a breath and be like, oh, maybe we're a little bit better than we think we are. And maybe the media will say the same thing. Like I read on Twitter there, someone said, maybe Montreal's power play was just so terrible because they didn't want Pittsburgh to know they really had a good power play. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know about that, though. So... uh so there you have it, folks. Both Matt and I don't think Montreal has a chance and Snowball's chance in hell to win in this series. Uh, and I'm not actually, you know what? I do, if Carey, Carey can be the biggest difference in this series. Uh, so not, you know, it's a short series. It's only five games. They need a lot of puck luck. I think Montreal needs a lot of puck luck. And for some reason this year, they just don't have any of it. It's true. Um, but uh, I'm not... Uh, I'm going to enjoy the games. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to root for them to win. But if they don't, we're kind of in a win-win situation. That's if, true. If they don't win, we get a chance of getting uh, Lafreniere. And the NHL's yep. rigged, so we're going to get him if we don't win. It's guaranteed. <laughs> uh, if not, we're going to still, still pick ninth. Pick. And that could yeah, be Cole. Perf- that could be Perfetti or Rosie or, you know. Jack Quinn. Jack, yeah, anyone. Sanderson. Yep. Because uh, from five to about ten is, is all interchangeable in this draft. You can take yeah, anyone you want. You're going to get a great player. Uh, yep. Which, personally, and I've said this many times, I wrote an article about it for the hockey writers. 
I think it's better for Montreal in the long run. So, personally, I think they're better off with a top 10 pick than they are with a series win over Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think it's going to happen, too. I'm going to stand on the mountain that they're going to get the top pick. I'd love to see it. Because I'm the conspiracy theorist that thinks the NHL is rigged. That's how Toronto <laughs> That's how Toronto got Matthews, and Montreal will get their big star, and now the two big Canadian cities will have a star there to push them into the limelight again. But It'd be a good thing to see, that's for sure. That, that's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> so people follow it. Uh, you know, the earth is flat. Anyway, <laughs> it's... It's not flat. Don't 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 believe me on that one, please. Uh, so anyway, that that'll be uh, it. That'll be it for this section there, uh, Matt. Uh, coming up next is my interview with Mark Dumont, uh, formerly of the Athletic, now of the uh, working with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And Matt, you have yourself a good weekend. You too. Are you working? I'm off. I can actually enjoy some hockey. Are you sure? I'm sure. Okay. I'll be working. I have plumbers coming in tomorrow. I'll be working on my basement, but I'll be watching the hockey. I'll be live tweeting during the game uh, and all that kind of stuff. So Habs Unfiltered, we have you covered. Blaine's getting drunk and high on uh, weed uh, cookies at his cottage. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, apparently he ate a whole weed cookie thinking it was a regular cookie. So let's see how that works out for him. Uh, so, all right, Matt, so I'll let it go there. Uh, you have yourself a good weekend, and uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, coming up next is uh, Mark uh, Dumont and our uh, no-name hockey uh, interview section. All right, everybody, see you after these commercial breaks. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news! Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Myself, Treg, and Matt have all had trimming accidents. It happens. Every man has. There's nothing to be ashamed of. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Hey, what's that over there? I don't know, man. It looks like a it looks like a jock strap. What what's a jock strap doing up in the concourse? I don't know. Let me check. What's it it says C Lindgren on it. Weird. Man, are you always getting digged out and losing your gear? 
If so, you should download the new app, GearFinder.com. We'll put microchips in all your gear, so when that guy digs you out on a simple play, you'll find your gear later, and not some dudes in the crowd. Hey man, I should take this home to my wife. She might like it. Maybe she can find your gear too. Well, we'll download the app and we can help Charlie Lindgren out. <laughs> yeah, help me! Yeah! Throw it over, guys! GearFinder.com For all your lost gear needs. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. Three, two, one, and welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. Uh, for the second half, I am joined by uh, Mark uh, Dumont, formerly of The Athletic and now with the Montreal Audience. How are you doing, Mark? Not too bad. Uh, thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How's uh, the COVID uh, crisis been treating you? Oh, God, lonely, man. Just so lonely. I, I, I went to my friend's farm the other day in southern Ontario just to, like, hang out with farm animals. That's how lonely I am right now. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to be near, near something, you know, where, you know near, near something alive. That's all I needed to be around. And I got to see my godson, so that was cool, too. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, so, as I said, you're formerly athletic and now with the Canadians. So, how did the job with the Canadians come about, and uh, what do you do? Yeah, um, it was interesting because, you know, uh, when the layoffs happened at the Athletic, I mean, I, I try to kind of keep, it's tough when you're on Twitter, but I try to kind of keep my personal life out of it, and that's the kind of thing I usually wouldn't mention, because, you know, it, 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 it's a big shot on the ego, right? It hurts the pride, but in our industry, you have to put it out there. So um, that was kind of me just throwing a fishing line out there. And also, I wanted to thank everyone because, you know, I do get a tremendous amount of support from house fans that I don't feel I necessarily deserve. And uh, so I just wanted to give them a heads up, too. Um, and the Canadians emailed me within about 12 hours. So I woke up the next morning and I had an email sitting in, in, in my inbox amongst a bunch of things. But I kind of skipped over everything else and ran right to the Canadians because, it's the Montreal Canadiens, yeah, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, and, and I mean, like, I grew up in, in, in Habs pajamas and all that fun stuff. So uh, they wanted a meeting that day. I got on the phone with the uh, vice president of marketing and uh, the president of the content manager, uh, Shauna Denis, and um, we kind of just figured out maybe I could help them out. They wanted to, to connect with the fan base a little bit more, get the community involved. And that's something I really like doing because I think 
You know, it, it, there's only a few things that really bother me uh, of how some people act. And it's when people blame fans for anything, I get really defensive because they're so important. So, uh, yeah, so they basically just wanted to plaster my big old Irish face <laughs> all over the place and, and kind of get my opinion on stuff. And you know what? It's been great so far. Working with the Canadians has been a dream. It's been really, really fun. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Um, that may uh, That's my aspiration. Maybe to get a job with the team or something like that. Who knows? But... Right isn't, isn't that crazy? Because it blew my mind when I, you know, because my, my heart dropped a little bit. It was the same feeling as when I got laid off, but kind of the, the reverse, yeah. like, you yeah. know? And uh, uh, just because, like, I grew up idolizing Matt Maslin and Patrick Kawhi and Lyle Odeline, you know? These are, like, my favorite guys, and, and, and I still have some of my old Habs jerseys when I was a little boy. And my, my dad brought me to the forum when I was six years old, and... You know, it was kind of a pilgrimage. So, yeah, working for the Canadians is, uh, it hasn't quite sunk in yet that, that I see my face on the website, but um, it's cool, man. It's, it's like, it's really cool. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, no, I I, I grew up in the, the same era. I was a huge Patrick Wall, Matt's an asthma fan uh, growing up. And uh, yeah. I personally have never seen a live Canadians game. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Many Toronto games, Tampa really? Bay. I've never, I've just, the opportunity has never been, I just haven't, been in Montreal for a game. I've been in Montreal in the summers. Yeah, well, you're east, the you're east Coast or uh, floating on a boat, right? Yeah, so, exactly. I like, uh... I've seen Toronto <laughs> and Tampa Bay, and I've seen Pittsburgh and uh, Pittsburgh and uh, and Florida, like the places I've been to in the states with the Navy, and just see those games, but never had a chance yeah. to see. And and I mean that's going to change this. Like if we can ever go back to see a game live, of course, but uh, uh, that, <laughs> that that that's going to change. Um, Speaking of that, if I was you, if when you're in Montreal, real quick, there, go see a Laval Rocket game too, because that's that's even better value for well, your, well, you know, better bang for your buck right yeah, there. That's our my plan is to go up and probably hopefully see both. Uh, like I'm, I'm writing for the hockey writers yeah. now, plus I'm doing this podcast, and uh, so uh, All right on. Uh, I'm trying to. Uh, I just uh, you know I, I, we have the Halifax Mooseheads here in Halifax, so I'm going to try to cover them for the hockey writers, and then when I get up there. Hopefully, get to see a few live like Laval Rocket. I heard were really exciting this year, as opposed to years before. And that team's yeah. really come together. And <laughs> hopefully, Montreal can correct some of their wrongs and get back to uh, the team we so, all know. So, so Navy, Navy writing and podcast. And do you sleep, or is that, <laughs> is that just optional? I'm also re- I'm also renovating my basement. So. <laughs> Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, that yeah, makes sense. Just, okay. Yeah. My my wife hates me. How's that say? <laughs> Well, at least at least you're not you know you're always busy, right? Yeah, so that's, that's a good sign. Yeah. That's that's yeah. that's good. So, uh, so I'll get to some of the questions from some of the guys on the podcast. So, Blaine Potvin asked, "Are the new screens and fake noise a distraction, or is it simply background to the players? Like, so does it distract the players, or do they you really think they care?" Sorry, did you, sorry. Can you repeat that real quick? The new what? The new screens, like the, for the games they're playing. Uh, with no crowds, and they have the screens and the and the fake noise and uh, oh. all that kind of stuff. Now, I know Druin kind of uh, uh, alluded yeah, to yeah, it that the question. Uh, Adam Double B comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think okay. How do I put this diplomatically? Certain teams will be affected more than others, um, and one of those teams is the Montreal Canadiens because we can never underrate the impact of fans. Yeah. Uh, even the refs will admit it when it comes to Montreal. They find it intimidating. Um, you know, even you'll see. Even I feel like francophone refs call too many penalties on the Canadians because they they don't want to seem biased. So it's like the Montreal fans have a huge power in there, and I feel like the Canadians, the Leafs, and some other teams, yeah, very much affected by the lack of fans. 
But when it comes down to uh, defense, uh, I think they can, you know, I don't see that as a valid excuse. Maybe at first it'll take a while to get used to, but uh, like a guy like Brendan Gallagher, you know, you put him in a barn and run through and, and he'd do fine. You know, yeah. he, would, he would still, he'd still go out there and get 30 shots in one game. So it'll take some time to get used to. And I don't think they have that time, but uh, I'm sure the players will start ignoring it when the hockey really matters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the next I'll get into some more questions. Uh, so do you think Max, like Max Domi's on the, as of right now is on the fourth line. Do you think he's going to be effective on that yeah. fourth line or my, like my personal thought was, I thought he should have been a winger on the second or third line instead of a center on the fourth. Is this just a Julian getting him game shape or, you know, cause Mar- we, it's no secret. Domi wants to be a center. But I really think his talent yeah. is lost playing with Weiss and Wheel, and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. What I think takes away from Domi's game when he plays center is that if you watch the clips, specifically when he was with Arizona, um, when he was on the wing, this guy drove the play like no other. And one of the reasons he was able, and we see in Montreal, like he gets defense to back up. What Matt Domi does so well, he's a fantastic playmaker. Like specifically speaking, he's one of the best primary assist producers at five up five in the NHL. Um, but what he does so well is that he creates time and space when he's on the wing. He backs up defenders, and uh, he, you know he really gives his, his, his other his center and the other winger more opportunities to score. And I feel like when he's trying to defend, which I don't feel is his strong point. Let's put it that way. No, we agree I really on take that. away from his offensive. Oh, sorry. I think when he's trying to defend, um, which I don't think is the strong point, I feel it takes away from his, uh, his his offensive instincts. So I'm with you. I don't see him long-term as a center. I think he's more useful as a winger. Also, Jake Evans is, is, is I mean, he's who you want as your fourth-line center in the yeah. next couple of years, right? Like young, smart, kills penalties. I don't see the value of Max Domi there. I'm not sure. I, I tend to, you know, go with Coach Lien's decisions. That one, to me, is very confusing. Yeah, I, I, I at first I thought it was just because where he was out for a while, uh, came in late, yeah. and they were just. But when he played there, I mean, when he yeah. played against Toronto, he looked good. He had two good passes to Weiss, who was wide open and missed both of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Weiss doesn't miss from there. Remember? Yeah, uh, well, uh, <laughs> he, he did he, twice uh, 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 last well, night or the other night. So. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I what I think. We wouldn't be surprised by his coach. He likes to play games with us sometimes. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Max Domi back in the top six or top nine on Saturday night. I really I really wouldn't bet against it. Ben, sorry, I wouldn't bet against it. Okay. Uh, my next question. To you, who do you think is the player to watch in this play-ins for the Canadians? Whether they win or lose, it doesn't matter. But who do you think is the player that's going to maybe shine or maybe – Show us that, uh, you know, he's the guy for the, for the for the future or the guy that the Habs really need to center around. Well, I think it goes without saying that Domi's one of those guys because the yeah. contract's coming up and he's never played in the playoffs, right? Um, but beyond that, I think there's a lot on the line for Jonathan Dehoy. Uh I feel, personally, I feel like he's, he's, there's too much criticism on his side. And, and, and I was saying that before I got hired by the Canadians, but... I feel like Jonathan Dehoyne is just a, it's just a magnet for criticism. And, and some of it's justified, you know, when he when he takes his, his sweet time to get back to the bench, but a lot of it isn't. Um, you know, I think him and Mac Domi are actually very similar players in that, in that sense. And you rarely hear about Domi's, you know, uh, defensive deficiency. So I think there's a lot on the line, not just for the Canadians. Like, if Dehoyne plays well, the Canadians are such a better team. And also for him, he's a confidence kind of guy. And when he's feeling it, 
you know, he's in the zone. And we all know this guy, he, he's probably the most talented guy on the roster. So I think Jonathan Dwayne, if he wakes up, um, and we'll know right away, right? Because it's, it's the first shift. It's, it, either Dwayne's in the game or he isn't. If, if he's in the game, I think he could p- potentially be a game-breaker for the Montreal Canadiens. We tend to forget just how skilled he is. I mean, I... I... I'm kind of rooting for Drew in. I'm in the same kind of boat as you. I think he gets a lot of bad criticism because I think this year he was on pace to have a great year. He was on pace to be the Drew in we thought we had traded for, and then he got his wrist injury, and then I think he came back too early, and yada, 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 whatever you want to call it. Um uh, but I uh... yeah, and I was even critical of his of him coming back early, you know. Yeah. But even then, I said, well, you have to produce. He's put in an impossible position. I feel when he came to Montreal, yeah. and uh, but like last year, everyone was saying he was a dud. He still he had fifty points. You know, not 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 this year that got you know suspended, but last year, over fifty points and eighteen goals is is fine for a guy splitting his time in the second and third line. Like, there's really oh. nothing wrong with that. I, I think the issue here is Sergeyev who I think is sheltered in Tampa Bay, uh, he's yep. he's looking very well. But I think he's – it's like I, I say to people, again, uh, uh, everyone has their opinion and fans can root or, or for whoever they want, and, and it's perfectly fine. But I don't like when they say, well, Sergeyev is this. Sergeyev is on a team where I could probably end up getting 20 points and I can barely skate. So – I mean, it, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's a good player, but yeah, team has a lot, and usage has a lot to do yeah. with it. Yeah, and it just, you know, that kind of. I mean, I think you're right. I think Druin needs to turn a corner soon because, I mean, it's Montreal. He's French Canadian. It's Montreal. He was brought in to be a yep. French Canadian superstar, and there's a lot of pressure on him. And and yeah, I don't know if that's good for him or anyway. That's <laughs> well. I feel like that's how when they sold it, they were kind of trying to. Kill two birds with one French Canadian stone, there, yeah. right? Like, they're, yeah. oh, we got a new center and he's going to be a superstar. Well, he's neither. And that's fine, too, though. Like, we need to, I've always been, and I'm kind of, I kind of play on this. It's a bit of a bit I do, but I always feel like we really need to bring our standards down for points. Cause I, you know, I grew up watching guys get 100 points on the third line, but it's not, it doesn't exist anymore, right? right? It just, it's not a thing anymore. And in Montreal, they roll all four lines. So you're not going to have guys playing 25 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all in all, I feel as long as DeWine drives the play, he can be very, very valuable for the Montreal Canadiens. But don't get me wrong, having Sergeyev in the lineup right now would solve a lot of issues, I think. Okay, having said that, where do you think Romanov fits when he comes to the Canadiens? Because there's, there's a lot of pressure on him of, as well. <laughs> speaking of hyping up prospects <laughs> and players, eh? Um, I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm not saying this in any kind of negative fashion, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in the AHL, if there is an AHL. Um, just in the same sense as I wasn't surprised that Paling ended up there and Kachinemi ended up there. I think Romanov is a very, very good defenseman. What I love about him is he's so intense, he's so engaged, and I feel like the Canadians need that. Like When, when Domi is, is pissing off all his opponents and he's riling up his team and the other team, like, he's better and the team yeah. is better for it as long as he doesn't cross that line, right? And Gallagher, yeah. too. I feel like they're missing a little bit of uh, 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 vinegar on the, on the back end there and, and he's the kind of guy that can really drive opponents nuts. We saw with Brian Boyle. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I was thinking Sergeyev again there, but we saw in the World Juniors how he drove people absolutely crazy. His shot rate was fantastic. He can drive the play and he's a, he's a, a power play quarterback. So, I think long-term potential, easy top four, potential top two, but I think it's going to take them two to three years to really settle in. Like, I don't expect them to come in and just 
be an NHL right away. That'll take time, and uh, it's just fine. He's, he's very young. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree. I just did an article on him. Well, I kind of conceived. My article was about him, compared him to Markov, and I pretty much said there's no comparison because Markov's a legend. But anyway, <laughs> and he's too young. Well, the vision, eh? but you know, you know, you know what? It's it's the intensity that I like about that's yeah. one thing that Markov never had is that is that I'm I'm gonna beat you guys. I love that mentality. It's, it's the Gallagher running through four brick walls like the Kool Aid yeah. Man. You know, like I love that mentality, and. I think it's very important in the hockey club. Like I feel like Canadians sometimes kind of lack that 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 instinct, that killer instinct. And um, uh, Romanov can can absolutely bring that to the table. He just he's he's got that confidence to him, right? Like, and even Team Canada was kind of intimidated by him to a certain extent. I don't want to hype him too much, but uh, yeah, he just has that presence, and I, I really look forward to seeing an exciting player on the blue line. Yeah. You, you know who he reminds me of a little bit, and I, and I call it always sexy to talk about, but. He reminds me of P.K. Subban. Okay, yeah. No, I, I don't know if he has the offensive skill of P.K. Subban, but his mm. intensity and his passion, uh, I'm still kind of yeah. on the fence about Romanov's offense. I think he, defensively he's going to be a great defense. Fair I, point. I think he's going to be – he's a good skater. He can move the puck. I'm just not sure if the offense is going to come around uh, like, say, a, a Markov or a, a P.K. Subban had. Um, you And you make a very fair yeah. point there because, well, uh, although what I will say – is that's why I'd love to see him in the AHL to a certain extent because he never had that opportunity in the KHL to really run a power play, to really play yeah. consistently over 20 minutes. And and that's, I mean, the Rocket could absolutely use him now. Question is whether or not he'd accept that. But I feel like uh, Bergevin kind of played his hand a little early by going over to Russia, and uh, they're somewhat committed there. But, hey, that's fine. You know, if they have to take it slow with him, I hope people lay off a little bit because uh, – He's got so much potential. He's got just so much potential to be a really good defender. I mean, you got to take it's like Kotkin. I mean, you got to be patient. Kotkin came as an 18 year old, scored 35 points, which is better than Keiko and Hughes did in their first year. And because of uh, and he, he was he just turned 18, right? He like, just turned 18. He just turned 20 this year, and everyone's kind of ripping him because he had a bad season. Well, I mean, he was injured. He had a concussion. He had a knee surgery. He had a spleen injury. He had he gained weight and didn't really handle it, but I mean, I, I think Kakinami is just. I think I don't think it was a bad pick. I think it's a patient. You just have to be patient with the pick. He's not going to come out and score you. I mean, Kachuk only scored forty-four we, points in his season. Well, we knew we knew Kachuk would be NHL ready earlier, right? But right. that's. I mean, I feel it's unfair for people to now start comparing them two because right off the bat, draft year, we knew Kachuk's a full year older than this. Well, I think it's eleven right. months, but I mean, that's that's a whole draft year. Uh, difference between the two of them so i feel it's a little dishonest uh, uh you know to compare the two um especially here's one thing i'll say we seem to have forgotten it real quickly because the canadians have depth at center now but uh those of us that have been around a little bit there we remember how what who's the last like very very you know who's the last all-star centerman in montreal was it jeff Lejean? uh um it, it's been a while it's, it's been two decades <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, he got voted in. Yes, sorry, my bad. Yeah. And you know what? I feel like Koivu, again, super underrated, but I'm talking, you know, like a like an 80, 100-point uh, center. Uh, it was Koivu until he got that knee injury. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, center depth was a big issue, and they had to solve it. So I feel like it's a little bit of a revisionist history now to turn around and say um, we're, we, we they should have drafted Kachuk. And also, 
this idea that they should have drafted Quinn Hughes, I, I like Quinn Hughes at the draft, but nobody was talking about him in the top three. No. Absolutely no one. No. So, um, you know, when it comes to drafting, everyone points at the Giroux situation, uh, this what David Fisher, but uh, uh, I hate looking at it that way. I absolutely hate looking at it that way. Even here, I'll say this, the Louis Leblanc pick at the time was a good draft pick. Why? Because he was ranked exactly where he got picked. Yes, it didn't turn out. And yes, there was some development issues and perhaps some, some issues with the players. But at the time, that was a good draft pick. And now it turned into, uh, you know, a, a not a very useful player. But you can't judge the draft picks based solely on revisionist history, right? Like, that's insane. That's a crazy way to look at draft picks. I, I'm glad you said that because I, this is one of my pet peeves when people complain about draft picks. And I always tell them, well... David Fisher... <laughs> I said, you got to look at where they were drafted and where they were supposed to be drafted, whether it was a reach or not, who was drafted before and after them. Like, there's so many factors into, I mean, if you could go back, Ottawa never would have drafted Alexander Dagg. Nobody would have. But at the time, he was the clear-cut first overall pick. And there was not one single human who who wasn't saying this guy's going to change the league. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And And the sense, like, they, they put in... Anti-tanking rules because of that season, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, and my argument is, it's it's easy to go about five years, like you know, like people question Trevor Timmons in his drafting, and I think Trevor Timmons is an excellent at the draft. To be honest with you, and Shane Turlett has only made the drafting better, I think, in the last few years. Uh, I mean, that's my opinion. Uh, however, when people go, "Oh, well, this pick was bad and that pick was bad," and I'm like, "Well, let's look at yeah. who they picked sure. and why," right? Like they need no, but you can you can do that for every single team, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, why did you know? Why did twenty eight other teams skip over Jehu too? Like, yeah. why why did why did the why did the Vancouver Canucks not look at a little guy called Brendan Gallagher that was in their backyard? Why were the Montreal Canadiens the only team to go scout him in person? Yeah. Why did the Toronto Maple Leafs not pick Victor Mete, who was playing in their backyard, who's GM? He played for their their assistant GM at the time. Yeah. Could you imagine if um, that situation was was reversed? And it was, uh, you know, Victor, uh, you know, um, uh, Victor Mathieu playing in uh, playing in Drummondville, and, and Montreal didn't go see him, and Toronto got him. Do, do you know the uproar that's in Mon- no, Montreal right now? Exactly. So, I mean, there's already an uproar because we don't draft enough French play- players anyway. But uh, I, I see. Uh, yeah, which, <laughs> by the way, not true because, and I'm a francophone, a very yeah. proud francophone. Um, I did the math on that. The Montreal Canadiens are the number one team for drafting uh, francophones, and if you mix in per capita, so per draft pick, they're the second and and, uh, second highest team for drafting players out of the queue. And since Beverly took over, they've actually increased how many francophones they draft. So I get it. I'd love to see a a French superstar Montreal, and there are a thousand you know uh, uh, radio talk show callers that would like to see it too, but. the talent has to be there. And I think the fact of the matter is I applaud them for not conceding to that pressure because I think you would, once you start doing that, uh, you know, you're letting politics dictate sports. And, and, exactly. and that's just a, a good way to ruin it, right? Well, I mean, they have a chance this year if they don't beat Pittsburgh. So for that yeah. super Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, because he's, he's a talent, right? Like I always say this, to, and it's every scrum is the same question. I, I know it's coming. Why didn't you draft more francophones when they only had, let's say, two on ten? And my question is, who did you want them to draft? There was yeah. a couple opportunities. The guy, like, I think Mathieu Joseph at one point was available uh, to draft to go and stuff like that. But 
Like we're, we're, we're really starting to, you know, it's quite the nit to pick because uh, it's all about talent. All things equal. You pick the francophone, sure. But all things are never equal. So that's how the draft goes. Yeah. All right. So um, we talked about Romanoff. We talked about that. Now we're going to go into uh, some draft. We talked about some draft. Now we're going to go into the play-ins and the playoffs that, that are happening right now. Um, judging by the exhibition game, and I don't always think exhibition games are the be-all, tell-all. But the power play was atrocious. That was probably the worst power play I've seen in a very long time. Uh, special teams, are they going to be the make or break for the Montreal Canadiens against the Pittsburgh Penguins? Um, I mean, if they go minus two for, for six on the power play, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to work out very well. I mean, what I don't understand about their power play, well, I guess I do understand, is, is the over-reliance on Shea Weber. It's not Shea Weber's fault. It's the system they've designed around him. And, uh, yeah, at first it'll surprise you. They're trying to Sheldon Surrey him, you know, to basically blast a puck through goalies, and I get it. You know, he's got the, well, maybe not the, but one of the hardest shots in the NHL right now. So um, I understand that strategy, but if you pin it down, you should use that to your advantage. Use them as a distraction as well as a shooting option. And I feel like so many times this year we saw them just, you know, it was such a telegraph play. Get it to Weber. Get it to Weber. Get it to Weber. Oh, quickly to Petrie. Back to Weber. Back to Weber. And it, 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 to me, it's just crazy how they kept going back to the exact same strategy. So when I see a guy like Nick Suzuki do what he's doing, he did that against Columbus this year too. But that kind of creativity in the power play, I feel like there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel there because it, it, in a short series and in a five-game series, you I mean in a seven-game series, special teams make or break it. So no, in a five-game series, It'll be all about, I think, the secondary and the tertiary scoring. But, no, you're right. Special teams are crucial going into it. Who do you see as the defensive pairings for the uh, play-in series? We know it's going to be Weber, Sherratt, and Petrie. Yeah. Who are the other three, do you think, uh, be in there? Mete, probably, of course. Yeah, I think um, I think they're going to go back to Brett Kulak and Jeff Petrie. Now, I, <laughs> I know a lot of people really... Um, don't understand what I like in Brett Kulak. But I love Brett Kulak, so those... I'm with you. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Because I'm, I'm a Brett Kulak truther here. And yeah. um, all he does is, is anytime he, and he did it when he played with Weber, he did it on the third pairing, he did it on the second pairing. His numbers are fantastic everywhere. Now, he's not an elite player, but what he can do so well, I, I find that some players just can't keep up with Jeff Petrie because Petrie jumps in the play real quickly, and you're going to have to cover for him. Um, he struggles a little bit at one-on-one, but other than that, like this is a mobile defenseman that plays, you know, actually very good defense when he's not one-on-one, but he's moving. He's all over the place, and I think you need a really sharp hockey mind to adjust to that. Some guys have struggled. Brett Kulak does it perfectly. Um, but on that note, I wouldn't mind seeing Victor Mete in the top four, right? Like, I mean, that's the plan eventually. You have to go, you have to kind of commit there, so I understand why he's on the third pairing right now, but I'd, I'd love to see Mete get a, you know, a few more minutes maybe even see what he can do in the power play. I'm not as a shooter, but, uh, you know, if you go back to the London games, him and uh, Oli Ualevi, they, they were very good as, on the power play. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, Mete jump up to about 18 minutes in, a night on a consistent basis, maybe even 20, 22. That'd be fun to see. Okay. And the, so you do you think uh, they're going to go with Olet, Folin, or uh, or Fleury for the for the sixth defenseman? For, or not even, I guess Jolson isn't an option because, you know, he, he still needs some time. Probably Xavier Wallet, I'd say, would, would probably be yeah. the most, like, ready guy on that. I, I, I would 
probably avoid giving Foligno a ton of ice time. Um, I know why Janine likes him, but I feel he does struggle when it comes to gaps in full and uh, breaking up passes and, you know, just shutting down passing lanes. I, yeah. I really don't think you can trust that right now. So I would probably just keep it exactly – I think he's going to shuffle it forward, but I think he's going to keep the D situation kind of like it was going into uh, the games against Toronto. I mean, the penalty kill was pretty good against Toronto. Like, a power play was atrocious, but the penalty kill actually <laughs> did all right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, you're looking at, like, Toronto. I know we're not allowed to say it, but, damn, they pretty elite players uh, there. So it, it did look better, but, uh, man, that power play, it's, it's, it's too long now. Like, they, they legitimately, it's an issue. They have to fix it. To I, me, stop re- stop relying on Weber so much. Like it's not an insult to Weber, but he's he, he could be used as a distraction, like yeah. the Capitals used Ovi as a distraction. Yeah, Ovi scores a lot, but just the threat of him being there draws defensemen in, or sorry, draws defenders in, and that means you're creating a lot more space, right? right? I don't understand this drop pass they do at the red line. I, I don't understand. You're already up to the four players that are trying to defend, and then you drop it back, so the next guy has to get by the same players you already tried to get by. I, I don't get it. I, I, it's it's because that was their big change, right? When they, when they were gonna fix the power play, and a lot of teams do it, but um, you have to execute perfectly. And uh, you know, a guy like Domi can pull that off, but uh, you know, I don't know if Canadians. What, what, what drives me absolutely bonkers is that on five on five they can gain the zone, you know, with the greatest of ease. On the power play, they can't yeah. gain the zone. And, yeah. uh, I mean, listen, I've never been great at math, even though I look <laughs> at numbers, but, yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me. You should have an open guy somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the issue <laughs> the issue going into this, too, eh? don't forget, um, with the Canadians, speed, speed, speed to the neutral zone, when you're talking about that drop pass, it slows them down. It slows them down, even though it gives the illusion that the guy coming in with the puck is going faster. It just gives the defenseman time to adjust if you don't execute it perfectly, right? Yeah. So I'm with you. I don't really get it. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on Kirk Muller right now to, to get it right. Well, it's been, what, two, three years now that he's been in charge of the power play, and it's not... Uh, yeah, and, and the head coach had to get involved too, right? Yeah. That wasn't That's never a good sign. Yeah. Um, okay, a couple more final questions. Uh, we talked about this kind of off-air. Uh, Joe Bouchard, how valuable do you find him as a uh, coach in Laval? Yeah, and I'll have to give credit to his, his staff, too, because Alex Burroughs is just a perfect pick down there. Um, um, Marco Marino, you know, does really good good work there with the goalies as well, and uh, Daniel Jacobs as well for the defenseman. But uh, to me, it's the culture change that he put into, into place that was so crucial. The, the Laval Rocket, and this is no disrespect to Sylvain F.I., one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Um, there was maybe a little lack of desire, a little lack, and, and there's a lack of talent. Can we be perfectly honest about that too? There was a significant lack of talent in the farm. But what Joey Bouchard did is he, he came in and said, "Guys, we might lose nine zero, but you're gonna you're gonna play tooth and nail for every inch out there." And every single player I talked to hates playing against the Levad Rocket. Like they just detest it. The, the new guys they trade for are like, "Oh, thank God, I don't have to play against these guys." So to me, that says it all, right? Like yeah. when you have a team that's willing to just do everything it takes to win, even though you don't maybe have the talent, culture of winning, even if you're not winning right away, and uh, that's that's the biggest issue there. They had to get rid of that uh, that losing bench in the locker room. And I think he's doing well. Like I think he worked really well with Cockney Nemi when he got sent down there. He worked on his confidence. He worked on his small game. I mean, in that Toronto game, exhibition game, I thought Cockney Nemi was one of the best players on the ice. I mean, that's just 
what I what I saw. Yeah, I, well, well, I mean, to that certain host, radio host, they disagree. But uh, <laughs> the thing with that is that I don't actually see him as faster or stronger. I, I kept reading everyone saying, "Oh, he looks stronger." I didn't see it. Like, I'm not saying that no one else, you know, that that they were having illusions or anything. But I didn't see that. What I saw was a guy full of confidence, and and you spoke about it. Is that they spent a lot of time in that battle working on details, but not just that. The video sessions were a way to open a line of communication with Kudkinemi. Um, he was a little frustrated, which makes sense, right? Like, you just spent your entire year in the NHL, everything's going great, and then you hit a, you hit a little bit of a, a wall, and that's tough to do. So, Joy Bouchard used those times to open up the lines of communication and, and essentially talk about what you can and can't do in the NHL, but he allowed him to express his frustrations. His, you know, why isn't this working, or why does coach not like it when I do this and that? And that's something you can't do in the NHL, so... Yeah. What Joy Bouchard does is he creates relationships and uh, no BS. It's, look, I'm going to tell you when you're bad. I'm going to tell you when you're good, but I want you to succeed. Just don't, you know, no BS between us. Pure honesty and everything goes well. So he has the utmost respect of his players. Um, a lot of veterans don't love it because they don't want to be told what to do at that age. But uh, all in all, I think Joy Bouchard is the most important person in the organization. All right, final question, Mark. Your predictions for the play-in series against Pittsburgh. Oof. <laughs> I'm, a, uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm okay. I'll put it this way: I have a preview coming out of Montreal Canadiens website soon, and and I texted my boss and I said, "Hey, like, can I can I play the undercard here? Because if I'm being perfectly honest, this is going to be very difficult. I mean, I watch footage and I look at numbers, and both of them point into Pittsburgh's favor. Right. Now, here's what I will say: um, if the Canadians can just get a few more of those darn pucks to go in because they outshoot almost everyone. A little luck, and, and some of it has to do with shooting count, but a little more luck will go a very long way for the Montreal Canadiens. And the last time they didn't deserve to make the playoffs was 2010. Uh, they actually finished, I think they finished 20th in the league. Um, they finished below three Western teams, if I remember correctly. And uh, no one gave them a chance against Pittsburgh either. So... I, you know, I really wouldn't be surprised if it's such a short series that they do end up winning, but if I had to bet money on it, I'd be betting on the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. Okay. Well, Mark, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, yeah, and it's been great working for the Canadians. I hope they don't fire me after that last <laughs> time. <Yeah. laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're okay. I'm sure you're all right. I hope so too, yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. We here at Habs Unfiltered would like to thank you, all of our listeners, old and new, for tuning in. Please, click subscribe so that you never miss an episode of all of our shenanigans. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.